The Ringer Gambling Show is here to help you place your bets on the biggest sports around the world. Join NFL analyst Warren Sharp on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. Each week, they'll cover everything from spreads, game totals, and parlays to player props, futures, post-game reactions, and more. Check out The Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Palmer, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Controversy, Kevin O'Camera. Kevin What's going on this Tuesday? Well, we are almost halfway through the season, certainly a little more than a third of the way through the season, and news breaks yesterday. We may watch Kyrie Irving play basketball. This morning, he posts a picture of him putting on basketball shoes. And so it looks like, unbelievably, the irony of all of this to me is COVID is raging through the NBA. And then there's the announcement, hey, and Kyrie Irving's coming back. I'm like, well, hold on now. What is going on here? So who knows what the timing is? Sham Sharania comes out with this story saying him and Durant have been in constant talks and it's really ramped up recently, talking basketball, talking about how he would fit with the team on and on. We don't really have all that much clarity of how Kyrie Irving is going to re-enter playing in the NBA. Uh, but with the picture of the shoes this morning, the story yesterday, sounds like we're right around the corner from a debut. Was he just promoting the the Kyrie 8s? I don't know I which don't. sneakers those were that he was putting on in the video. But uh, yeah. th- does he have a new release out? Was it a promotional thing? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the, the timing of all that after the Shams report yesterday uh, is very, very, very interesting with Kyrie returning. What was your theory early in the year? Just wants to sit out. <laughs> Just well, and he, had a, he, he had a clothing line dropped two days ago, too. Oh, he did. I see. Yeah. Got a lot of non-basketball so, stuff. Well, it's hard. To, it's hard to sell product when you're not playing. Yeah. yeah it, sure hel- it sure helps to be uh, you're a superstar worldwide known basketball player like Kyrie Irving is. But if but the net the, the Nets need him, Chris. I mean I know KD KD's second in MVP voting for the Tim Bon Temps uh straw poll that he took with a bunch of media voters. Um KD's been sensational. Harden's been underwhelming uh but still very good. They need they need that scoring presence that Kyrie Irving can provide. I mean it's kind of unusual to expect a team still with KD and Harden to miss Kyrie so much and still be on top of the East but for them to win the championship to beat Milwaukee as good as they've been doesn't it feel like they do need Kyrie and or some type of moves and there was obviously the Jake Fisher report today about they're at least listening to offers for Nick Claxton and Joe Harris the Nets are at least trying to get creative here and they need Kyrie back they absolutely need Kyrie back and I think the Joe Harris thing is real like not Having him unavailable. Oh, yeah, that hurts. You know what I mean? Like, you, when you spend as much money as they have on three players, your depth is going to take a hit. And so you really need to win 
uh, with young players, guys on rookie contracts, and the additions. Blake Griffin has not been what he was for them last year. LaMarcus Aldridge, I think, probably better than what you would have expected um, in his return. But they don't have all that much. It's it's a lot of pressure on KD, especially in the absence of Harden being great, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's been good, but he's not been great. Uh, for them this year, and so yeah, they they need they need him back, um, and they need him back badly if they're going to have a chance at winning the title. It'll be interesting to see. My theory, he proved me wrong on this. I thought he just, you know, veteran, been in the league a long time, doesn't want to play preseason, doesn't want to have to do training camp, doesn't want to do the preseason. But I mean, hell, you're we're we're into December now. And he still hasn't touched the floor. So it obviously wasn't just a, I don't I don't want to go through all of the stuff that none of the veterans like to do. And this is a good reason to not have to do it. Like, he's really, I, I, I don't know what guns he has stuck to if he comes back and plays now. But he certainly hasn't been playing basketball uh, thus far. And, you know, I, look. I'm glad he's back. It, it, it's as, well, not, well, not back yet. Well, he's gonna be. He's gonna be. That story drops for a reason, right? Like, it, it chomps very close to Durant, and so you know that that was a precursor to what is going to happen. Like, just letting people know, hey, yeah, I'm hey, here's back a soon. heads up. This is here's this, this cryptic is social media post. Return, right? Yeah, I mean, who would know better than Kevin? We'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I, I'll tell you what, Chris. I look forward to watching Kyrie play basketball. Oh yeah, all I look, the, I look all forward the, to it. All I mean, the antics, some of his opinions on things, whatever you want to say. Uh, he's his, he's his own dude. That is for sure. But he is a crazy talented, fun basketball player to watch. Yeah, no doubt about There's that. There's no question. One, one of the most fun to watch. Chris, did you see Kevin Love had 23 points in that game last night? It wasn't even all the familiar names that we've been talking about. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland. K-Love with 23. <laughs> he, you know, he's actually been good for them this year. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he I mean, he's, he's, he's had a lot of poor games, but he's also, you know, had some good classic vintage K-Love moments that he's brought back. I mean, back. he still can do, he can still knock down some threes. He can still, if you throw somebody little on him, he can still body him up. He's always been a good passer. You know, he's a bench uh, yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, look, you could do a lot worse on bench bigs than Kevin Love. Is oh, he no doubt about it. Is he wildly overpaid for a bench big? Sure. <laughs> but, but you know what? He's also, if you watch their games, he's up cheering them on. He's like high-fiving everybody. Like he's been, I don't know, after, after last season and the ridiculousness of that. And then, you know, the, 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 the Olympic thing was a disaster for sure. I mean, he got sent. He went back home um, and was not going to be good enough to play for that team. And you never know. You know, there was never going to be a buyout because he's not going to take any less money. And so getting him engaged and having him actually be like a good veteran on that team has been quite the change from what we had seen out of him because he was the – he was the poster boy for the probably could give you something, but is giving you very little to nothing disgruntled. I don't want to be here veteran. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think with, with him, he, he missed uh, like 15 days to about a little over two weeks with a uh, COVID in November. And he, he was really struggling before that absence. Uh, I think he was shooting like 34%, like his first 10 games before he was out. And I, I may, maybe the time off, I'm not sure if he was symptomatic or anything like that. I forget the details, but he's been much better since returning, coming off the bench for Cleveland. And I mean, obviously, as you said, Chris, he's way overpaid for the, the, the money that he has. Um, 
but it's okay because you have a bunch of other guys on low rookie deals and Evan Mobley, Darius Garland. You have Jared Allen on a fairly priced contract, Larry Markkinen as well. So, I mean, this Cleveland team, it's, it's, Kevin Love is playing well enough that maybe some other teams might be like, yeah, we'll take him on a short term, short, short term deal if Cleveland did, did decide they want to make moves. But ultimately, man, like he's just a guy coming off the bench right now. This, this Cleveland roster is about all these young starters. They made the right choice, in my opinion, not re-signing Colin Sexton because we're seeing what this team can be with just Garland really as the key figure in that backcourt. And I think for them, they're set up so nicely at this point to shuffle these pieces in whatever the way they need to to build around the, the three main guys, Allen, Mobley, and Garland. They can move other pieces if need be to maximize those guys, optimize what they can be because um, they 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 got something special, man. I mean, we've talked about Mobley a lot on this pod, Chris, but Darius Garland in some ways I feel like we haven't talked about quite as often. Remember him as a rookie? I mean, he, he, he was not great as a rookie, but he showed some flashes. Those flashes are happening night in, night out at this point with his ability to generate offense either for himself with pull-up three-point shots, Pull up mid range shots, but also the playmaking ability. I mean, he has such good vision, and I'm I'm excited for what Cleveland can be in the future. But even today, this is already a super competitive team, and I'm I'm a buyer on them maintaining this playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. It's so funny when you bring up Garland. It's always what you thought of last, and I was talking to this guy the other day who grew up in Nashville and was a high school basketball player. And he was telling me, he was like, I was like, were you good? And he was like, yeah. He's like, I was good. I played on the competitive teams. He's like, my high school team was good. He's like, we made it to state. And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, could you play against? He's like, well, then we played Darius Garland's team. He was there at the same time. And I was like, How'd that go? He's like, he dropped like 60 on us. He's the best yeah. basketball player I've ever yeah. seen in my life. That's yeah. <laughs> what so he told me. He's, he's the best basketball player I've ever seen in my life. He got dropped like 60 on our head. He's like, we have, we tried everybody. He just torched every single player on the roster. And I was like, you know, he's really coming to his own this year. He started coming to his own in the NBA. And uh, here was some guy that had to play against him in high school. And he's like, you ain't got to tell me he's awesome <laughs> because he's been awesome for a long time. And they're just a wildly fascinating team. They don't have wings. And so they're just big, right? They've got Mobley. They've got Allen. They even play, you know, their small forward marketed is a giant. And they don't really, that's what they need. They need some wings. Yeah. I mean, Okoro, Okoro is a very uh, interesting player in the sense that his defense is already there. You know, the, the feel is already there. It's just the scoring's not. No, he's oh, not an offensive player. No, it's not he's there. Defense energy, which I like. You know what I mean? It's useful. Yeah, I talked I talked about this with like Sam and Mike on the, the Wednesday pod last week. And it's like Okoro is the type of guy he can he can still find a role. On an NBA squad, you don't need to have a jump shot, but it, with this Cleveland squad, with the amount of size that they have, and it seems like this is the direction that they're building, uh, I'm not sure the fit there is perfect for him um, with what they want to be and what they already are today. So, I mean, we'll see how it works out with Okora. I still think he can be a very good player, um, and maybe that'll happen in Cleveland. I mean, we'll see how the pieces change in the years to come, but right now, this team's for real. Do you, th- do you think they hold, in, hold on to a top six spot, Chris, or do you see them kind of like... S- maybe sliding into that play-in range as some other teams that have under underachieved early might leapfrog them. They'll be in the play-in. You think, you think so? Seven to ten yes. range for Cleveland? Hmm. Yes. How, I mean, do you think they have a quality shot at maintaining a top-six seed, though? I think it'd be very difficult over the long haul. We're, you know, third of the way into the season, a little more than a third of the way into the season. And so I am a believer that they are much better than any of us could have expected, much better than they could have expected. But I think top six seed, that's a bridge too far. And I think that if they were seven to 10, that is an unbelievable season given the expectations. They will have out, they will have outperformed teams that we were certain were going to be better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's fair. I mean, like you just look at the standings right now. They they have Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee ahead of them. 
they're three games back from Brooklyn for the top seed in the East. Right behind them is Miami by half a game, Philly by a game and a half, Washington by a game and a half, Charlotte by two, Boston by two and a half, Toronto by three, Atlanta by three. Atlanta is the 11 right now, Chris. New York is the 12 right now. There's a lot of there's a lot of quality teams in the Eastern Conference, and these teams are so condensed, so close together. It it it, it, it wouldn't be shocking if they do slide into the seven to ten. But I but I do think this team's defense is for real. I think Mobley, if he's able to make progress offensively over the course of the season, their offense could get even better. And like I said, we're talking. I'm talking about what moves does, does this team make in the years to come to to optimize Mobley and Garland and this young core. But they could do stuff this season too. They could. I mean, weren't they yeah, one of the teams on the also, list? They're probably more on the trek of, hey, here's our timeline for being really good. It might not be crazy to think that they make a move that might hurt them this year, but really help them two, three years down Maybe. the road. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, because. Look, the guys like Glove, the guys like Rubio, those guys help you win games like a couple times a week. You know what I'm saying? Like they help you win games. Now, playing veterans can help you win games. That being said, if they have value and they can't be moved, you might actually take a little bit of a step back in the current in order to be better for the future in order to build around those guys on the proper timeline. Because the truth is this, you're not winning anything anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be great to get them in the play-in, get maybe some playoff experience, possibly. But in terms of a timeline, when your two best players are in their rookie, well, one of them's in their rookie contract still, and the other one is in his first year in the NBA, you know, the ones that you're building around. I mean, if you could get something for the veterans that you got on your team that will help you but might hurt you right now, uh, but help you in the future, uh, it, they could go that route too. You know what I mean? I don't know if they make win-now moves because you're not, you're not planning to win right now. It's not like you expect to be going competing with the Bucks. But and- they were one of the reported teams on the lists for Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. They were well, one of the teams on that list. Well, he so, like, could we're talking the timeline, though. That's a rare he could. I know, instance. I know, but that's, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, there are moves that they could make that help today and tomorrow. And Ben Simmons would fit that criteria. I mean, I don't know if there's any other moves out there that fit today and tomorrow, but Ben Simmons is one of them. And I mean, look, like, like I said, you can make it work with Okoro, but um, but imagine going from Isaac Okoro to Ben Simmons, adding like a bunch of other pieces around that, and that's the upgrade on your roster. That that would add a heck of a lot, like in terms of the playmaking in the half court. And they and they do need that. It's their their defense is already great, and it would be even better. I mean, if you have Mobley and and Allen and Simmons, if you're building with those three as a defensive core, that could be like one of the best defenses in basketball for ten years. Offensively is where this team needs help, and uh, I'd be. I know I'm obsessed with the idea of Ben Simmons as a screening weapon in the half court, but I, I think you could make that work with Darius Garland in some pretty exciting ways. Um, so, I mean, well, I don't know if they hey, have the look, right pieces no, for right. it. Philly, Philly still wants to wait for Dame. It doesn't matter what Dame says. It doesn't matter what Portland says. That's what Philly wants to do. We'll see how this plays out, though. Well, if you go back in time, when, when the Cleveland Simmons thing came up, it was a Garland deal. Well, they're not very give well, up Garland. They're, they're not giving up Garland. Was that really no, a Garland deal? I don't remember that. Yes, it was Garland and Love, and you may end up really who, who kicking that? yourself. I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. I, I, I honestly don't. That was out there. It was out there. I'm, I'm looking I it mean, up right now. Look, it certainly fits. What else do you think? If you, if you know, yeah, but I don't. I'm, all, all I'm just saying is I just don't remember who, who reported that or where it came from. Well, who else are you trading for? Cl- I mean, you, you would be giving up probably a picks-based package what? more than anything. I mean, and like a, it would be three-way. We did see that they're talking about three-way deals. It'd be like Salary, which is be Okoro and Rubio, would be those types of players, and there'd be some type of exchange of assets and draft picks. Now, maybe those draft picks go to a third team, and then that player from that third team goes to Philadelphia. Like that, like I'm just trying to get creative here with finding 
landing spots for Ben Simmons. That's all. I'm not sure on exact details, but like there's some type of combination that can work. I see it. Sam uh, Amico said, uh, I don't think it was really reporting as much as he said it would almost certainly involve Darius Garland, which it would not. Like Cleveland wouldn't get. Well, not anymore. Before the season, it wasn't crazy. Now it's crazy. I mean, it was crazy before the season. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's more crazy now. Garland was really spectacular last what are you year. Talk, we talked about trading him for James Harden, for God's sakes. Like, it, it, like we're, we're now going to where it would have been crazy to bring up Darius Garland. What? Yeah, because, I mean, was, about was Damian Col- Lillard, was, for was God's Colin, sakes. But was Colin Sexton already hurt at the time? I think he was. No. Colin Sexton got hurt uh, during know. the season. I forget this the is, timeline yeah, I, of when this happened. Off-season stuff. Okay, off-season. Okay, all right. But, I mean, we're talking about Damian Lillard, but we're not talking about Darius Garland? I mean, come on. Yeah, well, different circumstances. Garland's 21 years old. Dame is 32. And Portland is, is nearing a blow-it-up stage of their franchise history. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Speaking of, I saw that Philly team in person last night, right before the game. Well, about an hour before, they say no Seth Curry. And then right before tip-off, and I've watched them warm up, they say no MB. And I was like, oh, God. Now I get to watch Tobias Harris and Andre Drummond. Boy, you see them without Embiid and Curry, and you realize how what that roster is. Yuck. I mean, I mean, they got ran out. I mean, badly. Um, I still love Maxi. I do. I love Maxi, and he impresses me every time I get to see him in person. But man, that roster is—it's. Chris, not does, great. Tob- does Tobias Harris have the worst contract in the NBA right now? No, because he's because he plays. I mean, he, he, he plays. has a <laughs> he has that's a pulse. A, that's a that's a low bar, Chris. He has a pulse. I mean, we I mean, we just did talk about Kevin Love ten minutes ago. Uh, I mean, come on, do you think it's worse <laughs> than John Wall's contract? Let's get serious. I mean, we'll we also see. have who, guys, we have guys we'll, that don't play at all. We'll, we'll we'll see what John Wall looks like when he gets back. We'll see. Tobias here's one of the weirdest things because if you ever go like just pull him up, go pull up his stats. His stats are great. I mean. You know, for a third guy, or really, I guess a second guy, more so this year. Are, are they has, great though? He always has good numbers. He's like nineteen points, good percentages. You know, like he's just, but he's a whatever, and he's he overpaid. Should, this this season, so this this is the difference with Tobias Harris. Last season, averaging nineteen point five points per game on thirty nine percent from three. This year, 18.6 points per game to 31% from three. The numbers from three have not been there for him this season. Uh, Maybe he goes back to closer to 40%, which is what he's been shooting the last seven years or so from three. So if you can get that out of him, suddenly I think Sixers fans would be a little bit less frustrated with Harris. But right now, I mean... You you would hope for more when for a team that's in need of offense without Ben Simmons, in need of shot creation. You would hope that the guy making thirty five million dollars can provide that for you, but um, it has not happened for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. To me, he's he's an interesting name. I mean, like there's a lot of it's tough to trade deals over thirty million dollars. But if I'm Philadelphia, I wonder if there's some type of way we're talking about three-way combinations involving Ben Simmons. If there's a way you could also flip Harris elsewhere, like if flipping Harris elsewhere for other pieces, like let's say Sacramento were involved and let's say Sacramento weren't the team receiving Ben Simmons. Would they be willing to flip healed and Bagley and, and for a bigger scoring option at the forward spot, rather than having a lot of another guard and healed. Uh, I'm just, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, I'd be curious what Kings fans think about a, a swap like that. But I'm just thinking aloud here of like we've we we should re- we should believe the reporting that we've seen that Philadelphia is seeking out three way deals involving Simmons. So 
how are we going to get creative here? And to me, like it's maybe adding other pieces, adding a Harris, exchanging that for other players. So you want to talk about throwing money together, Kev? My God, that, I mean, that's, that's like, like seventy seven, million dollars. Seventy million dollars. I know, but like that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, you can't rule out an insanely creative deal here to get something to happen because I think something straight, plain Jane. That that's a lot less likely than a t- than a really massive move uh, that that. Changes things up because, as you yourself said, Chris, like this team has some roster issues, and Maury knows that better than anybody watching what his product in the court. So, I wonder if there will be a massive shakeup rather than just a Simmons swap with Philadelphia. I'm just thinking aloud here, just throwing it out there. We get we get trading season coming up on Wednesday, December fifteenth, and we'll talk about that today. Um, But I'm just I'm I'm just thinking aloud. I think you're probably dead on. I mean, look. When you see guys take over, they want to keep whatever is the infrastructure that makes them good. But in terms of like all of the margin stuff, I would be shocked if we don't look up and there is a massively different roster for the 76ers within, you know, a year's time, two years' time, because that's just the way all of these guys work. In the end, if I take over the product, I want to be able to look at the product and say, I'm responsible for this, 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 and this, right? My predecessor is not responsible. Now, of course, it's foolishness to get rid of what your predecessor has done correctly, i.e. Embiid. But that Tobias Harris contract is not good, right? It's not good. But what you typically see from teams is when somebody new takes over, they want their own roster that they built. Therefore, they then you're done when when things aren't going well. Then you're done, you know, telling the owner, "Well, that's because we got this guy and this guy, and I'm going to do something about it." And if it goes ri- and if it starts going well with guys that you're not responsible for, then you don't really get the credit. The last guy kind of gets the credit. So people always want their own roster. So Daryl will inevitably end up with his own roster. And speaking of, you mentioned there's a Sacramento Bee report that Heald and Bagley are being packaged around. Uh, th- those two are being packaged to and being shopped around, rather. Um, and he brought up possibly Philly as a landing spot. Who knows where they're going to end up. But much like we were just talking about, and this is the problem with Sacramento and the changing of, you know, Sometimes they have somebody that comes in and consults that he has the power, or maybe they have a GM and he has the power, or maybe they have the president of basketball ops and he has the power, whatever. Well, now they got this other guy, right, who went and got Halliburton, went and got Davion Mitchell. Yeah, Monte McNair. Yeah, he's not responsible for a lot of the guys that are on that roster, and so he may be the next, uh, another guy that's trying to make a, put together a roster in, his likeness. Man, you're going to be trading those guys with both their values at the lowest they've probably ever been. Really. <laughs> really. Bagley and Heal. Heal's having his worst season. Yeah, he is. He's shooting 10 threes a game, making under 35% of them. I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that this is how the kid feels, but I will tell you, I was talking to somebody that knows Halliburton very well, and I said to him, I said, what has happened to him this year? Too much podcasting, right? Huh? Too much podcasting, right? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, sorry. This was the response. (laughs) The response was. He's a good podcaster. He's a good. The response was, we have got to get him out of there. Wow. Wow. Already he's in year two. (laughs) Well, it's just Uh, like, again, and this is what I'm saying. Look, the the person I was speaking to is connected to him, but has no power. Um, Here's what I would tell you. That's the problem when things go the way they have gone. Because all of these players inevitably have somebody in their ear telling them. And you have this level of discontent where guys' careers are not going the way that they wanted them to go. (laughs) And it's an easy blame. They just say it's poison. 
It's poison, Dude, like right? the, the solemn the Solomon Hill tweet when Buddy Heald responded to him saying speedy recovery and Solomon Hill responds same for you bro you still wearing a Kings jersey that's a, a current NBA player it's unbelievable <laughs> pooping, on, pooping on the Kings right and a player like in a tweet publicly <laughs> that's right. to a player currently on Sacramento it's uh I I I feel for Kings fans Chris because I don't oh, know what the solutions God, do I ever. I, I I don't know what the solutions are here when I don't I mean I'm pretty sure this is known here. The organization has a mandate to make the playoffs. Like this is a team where ownership is like we need to make the postseason by any means possible. They're one of those franchises that have a playoff mandate. Is that really I mean like that's what you want. You want to make the postseason, but dude, if if you're making short-term decisions or keeping Harrison Barnes and passing on trade offers that get you valuable young players or picks, I'm I'm not sure that's really in in the best interest of the fans for rooting for a competitive product that can sustain success. And it's definitely not in the best interest of building around your star players your young players, your promising players, or for the people actually running the team. Because this this team is going to, if they make the playoffs, they're going to get smacked. They're going to get walled, oh, Chris. Making so like, is the that playoffs? Really, what are you but, talking about? But but they, ha- yeah, they, have a, they have a mandate to make the playoffs. This isn't a situation, like some teams are in situations where they're like, do what, they, the G- ownership says to GMs, do what is best for the franchise. You have full power, you're running the ship. That's not the case in Sacramento. And that's where I, I always get uneasy uh, when I hear about those situations for front offices and coaching staffs. When ownership is the one saying, hey, you need to do this, that's where I get concerned. And and for Kings fans rooting for a product that hasn't made the playoffs in, you know, 40 years, that's what it feels like. Um, I don't know when it's going to get better. Well, because they don't want to break that uh, Clippers record. They're going to break the Donald Sterling Clippers record of playoffs not being made. Sad. I mean, it's impossible. It's sad. I mean, that guy was actively trying to lose over and over and over again in an attempt to turn profit. This team has been trying to win and can't do it. That's the damnedest thing. Who do they pass in the West? I mean, like, I think the top eight teams I don't see dropping out in the West right now. So that's Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, Memphis, Clippers, Lakers, Mavs, Nuggets. Wolves are at nine. Blazers are at 10. Kings are tied with the Spurs for 11. Um, They're a game and a half back from Minnesota, a half game back from Portland. Like, is there anything Sacramento can do to position themselves to be better than uh, a Portland team that's likely going to build around Damian Lillard. They're going to do something to try to bolster that roster. Is there anything Sacramento can do to be better than Minnesota with Cat and an Edwards who's improving and D'Lo who's playing pretty good basketball? I know they haven't been great the last 10 games, but I mean, is there is there anything the Kings can do to, to get into the play-in? Any big move? Like, should they go for Ben Simmons? I mean, should I, they go yeah, for maybe. should they go for Sabonis, Chris? Sabonis to me is has been an undervalued. Everybody's talking about Simmons, but Sabonis is available. Twenty nine teams should be going after Sabonis. Twenty nine. Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority, and USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app, and they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, 
you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Celtics got a good win last night, Tatum at 42, but there's a little Jalen Brown buzz out there. At the beginning of the year, I asked you, could this uh, this be the last time that we see the Tatum and Brown tandem? Is this the last year nah, that it we won't see be. it? You still, you're still sticking to your guns. I'm still sticking to my guns, man. I put it in my column on Monday. Uh, like Brad Stevens is in a position where change needs to happen. This is his first big test. And you could say, oh, could they break up Tatum and Brown? I still think it's too soon. I do. It's still too soon. Jalen's 25. Tatum's 23. It's everything else around them, Chris. It's the roster around them. It's the need for playmakers, good decision makers, guys who are consistent in their role, consistent as shooters, consistent as decision makers. And I I think for Brad Stevens, that's going to be the greatest challenge. How do you shuffle everything else on this roster, Chris? That that's going to be the challenge for Brad Stevens here. Cause to me, it's not Brown and Tatum might have some qualities that clash, uh, but those guys with the right guard, the right playmaking guard with them, they can flourish together. I was thinking about this the other day, Kevin, how come they've never just had like a regular run the offense point guard. Like it's been, they went from Kyrie to, uh, well, really Terry Rozier, right? And Kyrie, then they tried the Kemba thing and now they do the Schroeder thing. It's like, why don't they just get somebody that like is a pass first or at least pass even point guard that just kind of sets things up and sets the table for these guys with these uh, fantastic wings on this team. I don't, I don't get it. They've always had the same kind of shoot first point guard. Chris, I mean, I think for Boston, some of this is just bad circumstances. It, it, it could work with the, one of those score first point guards, whether it was Kyrie or whether it was Isaiah Thomas going back to him, um, whether it was Campbell Walker for that matter, too. I think it's okay to have a guy who does a little bit of both, as you're saying. And for this Boston team, also some of their young guys just haven't totally panned out either. I mean, it's just a late first round pick, but Peyton Pritchard hasn't been quite what they maybe would have hoped for uh, so far. He hasn't played a lot this season and he has struggled when he has besides that Portland game when he really went off. So, I mean, for Boston here, that, that speaks to the challenge is how do you find the guy who can handle that facilitating responsibility for you and or... Could it still come from Jason Tatum at age 27? And that's the tough part here is Tatum is only 23. Brown is only 25, like I said. But youth isn't everything. Contract length matters, which is why you're getting these reports out the past couple of weeks about, well, what's Boston going to do? This is other teams, you know, putting the pressure, leaking stuff out, trying to shake things up in Boston because, yeah, it, it could actually reach a point that Boston does need to make a massive move by splitting those two guys up. I don't believe they are at that point yet. I don't believe they will be at that point before the trade deadline, unless they're getting an equally appealing young star player in return for one of them. A la Ben Simmons. Does that make total sense for Boston? Could that be their point guard? Maybe, but I just don't see that actually happening this season. I think for Boston, if they are to ever break those two up, it won't happen until some year in the future. But right now, those guys should stick together, and it's about everything else on the roster. You're an absolute no on a Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown centered deal. Is that right? Absolute no? No. I wouldn't say I'm an absolute no. But um, definitely, I lean towards the no side because I think Jalen Brown just provides so much more to that Celtics roster. I don't think you need... Bringing in Ben Simmons brings in a whole new host of fit issues. With Ben Simmons, I want to see Ben Simmons fall in a situation where he's with a guy like we talked about earlier. A point guard like Darius Garland or Damian Lillard, someone who can run pick and roll for you, put Ben Simmons in the screening situations like Blake Griffin, like Draymond Green, where he can be a playmaker and a valuable piece in the half court. Boston still doesn't have that guy. 
if you have Tatum in pick and roll with Simmons, they're just going to switch that screen and like Simmons is going to go back to doing nothing. You need a smaller shooting point guard off the dribble who can force defenses to blitz or hedge or even trap the opponent in the pick and roll, which is what opens things up for the screener. So Boston doesn't have that. I don't love the fit, but absolute no. I mean, it depends on what other what other pieces we're talking about in the deal. But I, I'd in all likelihood be a no to that for Boston. I'd keep Brown and Tatum and, and change everything else on the team. We have talked about this moment coming up, which is uh, tomorrow. Over eighty percent of the league becomes trade eligible. It's the unofficial opening of trade season. Now they'll have a couple of months before the trade deadline. Um, I'm wondering your opinion on this. You know, it feels like there has been more chatter this year. There are certainly many more teams that are and want to continue to be competitive this year and and possibly bolster their roster and improve even where they are right now. Um, And the door looks open probably for more teams than what we would have imagined at the beginning of the season, Uh, whether that means for a playoff spot, a home court advantage spot, or a play-in spot. We rarely see trades or many trades before the trade deadline comes about. Do you think this season has the possibility of being rather different just given the circumstances of the season. And, you know, we know that this Simmons thing is hanging out there, which is clearly a big one. There's a bunch of chatter already about the Miles Turner thing and about the, uh, the uh, you know, uh, the, the Miles Turner thing and, and whatever Indiana is going to do. The Bagley and Heald thing in Sacramento. That, um, Chris, that, that's a lot of things. Yeah, I know. I know. So are we saying that we're not going to wait this year until February nearly as much as we have in years past? I still think there's a chance we wait till February for a lot of this stuff, to be honest with you, Chris. Uh, I mean, like, think about the names that are out there right now, December 15th. Um, like, who who are the targets? Maybe it's some smaller deals that we see, you know, a, a Daniel Tice, like for a backup center for a contender, a Ish Smith or a Kemba Walker type of guy, perhaps something like that. You could see a team saying, we need another guard in our rotation. Let's go for somebody like that. Maybe Charlotte wants a wing or a big instead of an Ish Smith coming off their bench. So, I mean, maybe we see some smaller deals, but, but my expectation is some of the bigger stuff is still going to wait until January or February. I went through and looked at the list of the guys that, you know, there was a compiled list of the guys that do become trade eligible as of tomorrow and scanning through it. The, the only ones that I found when I ran through it, and I know you just mentioned a couple of guys were uh, Kelly Olenek. You know what I mean? Like uh, as a, as a guy, back up big, stretch the floor, maybe give you some space. He's playing in Detroit right now, and I think he could help somebody um, that could be a postseason team. Uh, Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig's been on a lot of winning teams, right, Um, and was part of that Suns team last year until he got injured. He's one of those guys in Indiana. They're not going to be doing anything this year anyway. Um, He's at least a guy that could give you some minutes, and like I said, he's been on some good teams. there just really wasn't much on this list. Obviously, Evan Fournier, if the Knicks could move off of that and just, all right, we made a mistake. We need to move off this. Evan Fournier is a great example of a guy that put up numbers on a rat team that nobody watched, cared about. Everybody thinks Evan Fournier's so great. Now he's played in these two big markets, Boston and New York, and everybody realizes that it's so what? And... If New York could get away from that, I'm sure they wouldn't a heartbeat. I'm kind of surprised, to be honest with you, Chris. I I thought both in Boston and New York, you'd see a a higher level of Evan Fortier coming off of screens and handoffs, draining threes for you, contributing in a winning situation. But it hasn't worked out in the way that I think I expected or a lot of people expected for him in, in either of these situations, Boston or New York, which is a shame because for years in Orlando, 
he got better as a player. I mean, he got he went from a mid-range guy to a more efficient three-point shooter, and he can still shoot threes. It's just about everything else. It's about ability to create off the dribble, the playmaking ability, the lack of defense, the all what all what he doesn't have is what's really showed up under the spotlight in New York and Boston that nobody really cared about when he was in Orlando. No, it's a lot a lot of numbers and a lot of losing. And it's a different deal when you got to be part of winning. And I'm sure that New York again is just a mistake. I don't. I don't understand. Like, especially that's not a Tibbs guy. My God, is that not a Tibbs guy? You think back, and it just seems so goofy that you know who your coach is, and then you built a backcourt with Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. What the hell? Well, I mean, <laughs> I here's the thing. Though, here's the thing, though, Chris. I'll tell you this: you got to have contracts to trade. Mm-hmm. So when when we say it's a mistake. We can say it's a mistake about the player, about giving him $20 million annually, but I don't think we can say yet that it's a mistake in terms of the, the value of the contract because you've got to have contracts to deal. And $20 million is a, pr- is a pretty good piece for you to get a guy making a little bit less, one of those good mid-rangey players that make $18, $19 million, but also to build up and stack contracts to get a max contract player. So you got to have contracts to trade. And that's what, to me, when I look at this Knicks roster, they wanted to be to be better than they have been this year. They wanted to be a higher playoff seed. But you got like some deals that are easily movable. And that does, that does include Evan uh, Fournier. They should go get involved in that Buddy Bagley thing. Um, go let Evan Fournier put up a bunch of points in Sacramento. Um, he probably liked that a lot. Uh, they're going to be without some of their guys. You know, they've, they're one of the other teams we've pulled up and stat contracts to get a max contract player. So you got to have contracts to trade. And that's what, to me, when I look at this next roster, they wanted to be, to be better than they have been this year. They wanted to be a higher playoff seed, but you got like some deals that are easily movable. And that does, that does include Evan Fournier. We've, we've had games canceled. Uh, the bulls have been canceled. Um, the Hornets have been ravaged by COVID. Uh, Obi is out. RJ Barrett is out. Uh, Quentin Grimes, who hit a boatload of threes against the Bucks over the weekend, he's going to be out. But Steph Curry's going for and inevitably will set the all-time three-point record in Madison Square Garden when those teams face off tonight. And look, I don't, I didn't want this to be a COVID show. Um, I don't like talking about it, but Kevin. I'll just say, we have this situation where games are now being canceled. You've got this tonight where there's going to be no RJ. There's going to be no Toppin. Testing post-Thanksgiving has ramped up. And with more testing, you are getting more positives. It's going to be fascinating to see what the NBA does about this. Because I do think that if you test a bunch, a lot of these guys, they're not even feeling any symptoms. you know. Um, and you've talked about 97, 98% of the league being vaccinated. Um, you've got guys that don't even know they're sick and then they test and then they test positive, uh, for this new variant, I suppose is what they're testing positive for. And I think one of the things is, you know, that there have been a ton of basketball players with that probably have the virus don't even know they had the virus, and they've been playing throughout the season. The difference now is they're testing for it, and this is what we know. There's been a boatload of players play this year with COVID. Yeah, Chris, and now we have news that just dropped this morning that Talon Horton Tucker tested positive uh, for the Lakers. He's in the health and safety protocols, and the Lakers are canceling their flight to Dallas for a Wednesday night game. Um I mean, with the increased testing after Thanksgiving, they're catching stuff like this, which can help pre- prevent outbreaks. And yet those outbreaks are still happening. I mean, that's that's the issue, especially with this new variant. You, there's some early reports that it's not quite as powerful, um, but it's definitely far, far, far more contagious. And um, uh, it seems like that's going to be the dominant strain of coronavirus everywhere around the world. Um in the coming weeks and months. And so for the NBA, man, I mean, the, 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 this just sucks. It, it all sucks, man. 
Uh, I really wish we didn't have to deal with this, but that's where we are as a planet right now, unfortunately. All sucks. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can come out on the other side or hopefully we let, let's, 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 let's end on a positive note, Chris. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas playing in the G League showcase. Playing in I the love G League. It. If I promise, if he comes through uh, to play against the Memphis Hustle, I'll be there. No question. One of I hope my IT favorite guys to watch in person ever. The season that he had one of the greatest offensive seasons in NBA history. I saw him that year, and he absolutely torched the Nets in Memphis. And it was, it was, it, it, this sounds crazy. It was really like, like peak Iverson. And people can oh, roll their eyes at that, but the, the guy averaged like 30 something points a game that year. Chris, I mean, he that was, was just, that was peak Iverson like. That 16-17 season. It was. I mean, that was one of my funnest years watching a team ever. That team with Isaiah Thomas. That Celtics team. 16-17. It's one of the, the best live games I've ever seen was his 40-plus point, point, point performance against the Wizards in the playoffs. TD Garden was so loud. I mean, Tommy Heinz and the love he had for the little guy, as Tommy would always say. I, I want, like that was really that was my first year being hired by the Ringer in 2016. And I mean, I, like being fully honest, one of my pro, it was really my last year having some feelings towards the Celtics. I mean, things I wouldn't I, I, like. I'm not. I was wasn't even the same person I was a couple of years prior rooting for the team. But watching a lot of Celtics games with my dad that year. I mean, we we loved watching Isaiah Thomas just so 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 much. Like he was he like he was definitely my dad's favorite player to watch, maybe ever, for the Celtics. And I know, like even though he only spent two and a half years with Boston, there are a lot of Celtics fans who sit, feel the same way. He just had such an imprint on Boston in ways that like I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any any example of a guy who played two and a half years for a team and made an imprint that IT did. Um, but he was a remarkable player, and he was very deserving of his top five positioning and MVP voting that year. And I, 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 it's so sad that he hasn't been able to have a career since then. But I'm glad we did have that year with him. Um, those two and a half years with Boston were really special. I hope he makes it back. I do too, man. He's got a shot still. He's got a, he's got a chance. There's, there's ability in there, but he's, he's 32 years old. He'll be 33 in February. Got a long injury history, and he and he is a little guy. He's he's a little guy for NBA. I'd love standards, for there so. to be another moment, though. You know, I really would. Even even if it only comes in spurts, like off the bench, oh, yeah. playing seven, 17, 18 minutes per game. But he could, if he's on a playoff team, he could just have one night where he goes off. That 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 would be really, really, really special. I, I'm I'm rooting for him so hard to get back. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thanks to our producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And I will talk to you on Friday. Looking forward to it.